Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today I'm joined by another amazing woman. I'm joined by Melissa. Melissa is a speaker and consultant and she raises awareness of trans issues. She has a dog called Chloe, enjoys walking and she writes about diversity and inclusion. And that's where I actually found out, um, found Melissa and you know first started seeing her writing was in a facebook page called today's joy where she spoke about her experiences as a trans woman so thank you so much for joining me this morning melissa thank you for having me emma so you do identify as a trans woman yes that's correct and can i just say and i should have said this before we start now i'm going to do my utmost to make sure that i'm using the right language and that i'm um, not being in any way offensive if i am it is completely um you know it's it's not conscious so please let me know and i will change the language that i'm using um know that it i guess comes from not a good place obviously we don't um don't say the wrong thing in it from a good place but you know what i'm trying to say yeah, right? yeah, I, know. Yep. I know what you mean yep yeah fab <laughs> So tell me a little bit about your story. Um, well, I, I was brought up in Auckland um, many moons ago, like over, over 40 years ago as a child. Um, I guess I knew I was always different to the other boys, but I didn't quite understand why. And there was no internet in those days, back in 1980, 81. So there's no, no such thing as Google, never heard of, or let alone a mobile phone. <laughs> it's so funny isn't it to sort of go yeah. oh yeah how how did that all we had to look things up in the library and you needed yeah, to know the library what, yeah <laughs> encyclopedia nobody, that's encyclopedia it nobody ever went down a um a rabbit hole of reading the encyclopedia <laughs> so. we had the encyclopedias at home yep I remember yeah. looking at those. yes as a teenager yep so yeah. i think the first computer we had at home was an atari computer yeah so. <laughs> Back in a late last century, as my children love to say. <laughs> late last century, yeah, that's right. It's like Apple computers were, I think they were the first ones they had at high school. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I've taken us on a tangent already. No, that's <laughs> right. I didn't really want to play with – I preferred playing with my girl cousins and the girls instead, but obviously at intermediate school, primary school, you know, and you have like one male friend there. I got dipped under water at Boys Brigade when I was younger, so I just wanted to, wanted to go across to the Girls Brigade camp, not understanding why um, at that time. And you know, about a month later, as a result of being dipped under water, nearly drowning, um, nearly drowned at a pool, I think. It was, I can see the link between the two events subconsciously. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see it at the time. But I know as a teenager, didn't really get on with everyone. I was always shy, awkward child, and... I did cross-dress a bit as a teenager, tried to bury it, did normal things, of talking to some other older trans. And you try and bury it when you're younger, not understanding it, what's going on necessarily, but sort of having half of an inkling knowing that you're not born in the right body or your gender identity is different. So from there, obviously, as a young adult, I just did the normal things, I played sport, nightclubbing, tried to bury, bury who I was, but... It, Never really went away and it resurfaced when I went away one Auckland one one weekend, went to Waiheke Island and sort of, you know, was found myself dressing again and not long after that, a year or two later I went and lived in Melbourne and I started exploring it more and felt that more comfortable to do that in Melbourne rather than Auckland back in you know, late nineties when obviously probably not even heard of transgender or very rare mm. that anyone would know what it meant. So I lived part-time for a very long time, just going out dressed in the spare time and was trying to maintain two identities for a very long time. So obviously still had to work, et cetera. I guess the tipping point for me to go and live full-time was seeing my dad die in hospital. So a year later, I started the transition process and told, told work and went from there, I guess. And I guess raising awareness was probably through my own experiences or good or bad of wanting to make it easier for trans people during that time and afterwards. So going back, you mentioned that you were, you had been not born in the right body. When, and it's really tricky, I guess, but when did you start feeling like that? Well, looking back, I can see that goes back to my childhood. At the time, I did, you, you're a child, you don't understand and 
you don't have anyone to ask. Like now it's totally different for children. Yeah, yeah they've got the Royal Children's Hospital in, in Melbourne. So children that um, identify uh, as transgender, then obviously they can go get appropriate treatment now. And that's great that we've got that facility now. But in my day, like it's no such thing. So you didn't really know what was going on. So mm. at the time you always felt, you know, just different and you didn't understand why, I guess, as a, as a kid, because... I think kids are a lot more in tune with themselves emotionally and spiritually than perhaps my generation were. So back, growing up back then, 40 years ago, so it's a completely different world now. I definitely think there's a lot more that we're doing um, with our kids around that emotional intelligence as opposed to, that's okay, just push it down. We're going to bury it and ignore it for as long as possible, which was oh, yeah. probably more of the parenting techniques going back 40 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, my parents were fighting a lot, so it wasn't a great environment to be brought up in. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, been family domestic violence sort of situation being brought up in that environment wasn't the best anyway. So, mm. Did you, so you spoke about having two identities and then when your father passed away, that was almost the catalyst to go, you know what, it's time to just embrace Melissa. Did you come out to your dad? Well, I went and saw him um, in 2014 in the hospital and looked really sick. So just sort of, it's a big decision to make. So mm. eventually end of 2014, told my team leader and then 2015 started transitioning in the workplace and got some interesting questions about, because I was openly by at that time about being, with a, will I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? What bra size will I be? <laughs> yeah, things you normally ask people. Yeah, what's your bra size, Emma? <laughs> well, do you know what? I work in a women's organisation, and so I can't say what's normal because we would get asked that quite often. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, like, yeah. really. <laughs> it's not normal. Yeah, okay, okay, I, I would get ask that. you in Coles. Yeah, yeah. yeah, get that. <laughs> That's your sense. But. That's it. Um, and... And I, f- I do find it difficult because, you know, for me, I would ask, you know, that's sort of the environment that I'm in. But, yeah, I do understand that's that, that that's that, not. That, that's <laughs> in your environment, I get it. But... Yeah, not necessarily in other places. Um, so what what was your reaction? So the team leader was the first person that you told? Oh, I was one other work colleague sort of knew was thinking about it and making that decision, but one or two other people um, might have known, um, flatmate, but, yeah. What was the uh, reactions? Oh, they were generally supportive. Um, yeah, pretty laid back and supportive of it. So I was lucky there. But then there's other people that weren't necessarily supportive, <coughs> supportive of it or understood. So. Mm. And so you, you said that you had the questions <coughs> like, uh, what bra size will you be and mm. will you date men or women? Were mm. there any other unusual type questions or what were people? What were uh, people's some people questions? didn't like didn't like the idea of me using the female toilets so ah. they called someone called someone down um in to speak to them about that and yes it was interesting and there's another trans person who transitioned before me on the floor just by coincidence and they, they asked in an open forum what effects hormones have on our sex life I thought, well, just, so i think it's the curiosity factor so they're asking it out of curiosity but yeah we answered it but it's just bizarre <laughs> so how did the workplace handle the toilet situation? I just had someone come in and talk to them and I wasn't in the room at that time, but um, yeah, interesting. It, and for, Yeah, it is really interesting. Um, so we had an issue at work where somebody brought something up similarly and said that they wanted to change our disabled toilet into an accessible toilet for this exact reason. I was like, why? But anyway, that's another story. Mm. Um but I find it really interesting that these people had no issue with you being in a men's toilet as an openly bi person, but have an issue with you. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, it's just people... Well, I suppose it wasn't really openly bi till late, later on, ah. but um, but some people probably knew I was bi in the workplace, but even though it was... A, <clears throat> and some people didn't probably, so probably... There were some people that probably knew or had an inkling but didn't say anything. Mm. So I just took my time transitioning in the workplace. I told the Victoria Racing Club where I was a member, so I managed to get a gender identity, identity policy introduced there, so that was good. And I guess through my experiences over the next couple of years going out, just living day-to-day, 
going to a bar at that time. I think it was had a, one day I was wearing a, a red wig or whatever coloured wig I was wearing at the time, brown, I think, brunette. I'm going to a bar and just seeing all the passive-aggressive behaviour from people in society because it was relatively new, even back in 16, 17, transgender people. So you see the sort of negative reaction and people feel totally uncomfortable. And being an empath, I can pick up on all that straight away. So you just see it yeah. in the workplace, or, sorry, in society. Or going out to a restaurant with a friend and being called Sir because he's got a male voice. So can you look masculine? So would they still call you sir if you were dressed in women's clothing? Yeah. <clears throat> wow. That's mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, you would think that if you feel uncomfortable. Well, that was back then. Yeah. That we went to one restaurant and like it's just one experience. So, yeah. But it's still, it's still your yeah. experience. Mm. That was experience back then. And like, I you know, yesterday somebody called me ma'am. So it was nice because I haven't had voice surgery. I'm having that later this year, but I'm. Um, do that before facial surgery but facial feminization surgery but um yeah over the phone's a pain yeah oh um yeah can you get melissa no i am melissa (laughs) (laughs) yeah you want to do this as a zoom call (laughs) because so tell me about um the gender identity policy oh that was just more i think at the time trying to make it easier for other trans in the future, you know, not just myself and just because you need to be some people there wouldn't like it. You obviously using the female toilets and I know going Melbourne Cup Day, standing with a friend next to a couple of members there, older members saying, it shouldn't be allowed, it shouldn't be allowed, just saying nothing. And so was there issues with like changing your membership over from a previous name and a male to being Melissa and female on the membership? Was was that part of that? No, as that well? was that wasn't was relatively too. Easy? Yeah, they made it quite easy for me because um, obviously I was changing documents yeah. around the same time, legal name and all that stuff. Once I got approval to go into hormones, go through that name change process. So doing that sort of stuff was quite time consuming. Taking five weeks off work, oh, running wow. around, and even then you still forget something. So yeah, just changing everything, oh, getting married or divorced. Um, so changing everything over and. Trying to remember everything you have to do, passport, driver's license. Now, I am going to sound really naive here. When you, so obviously I know the process for changing your name. Is there a process that you have to go through to legally change your identity? I guess um, with uh, changing your identity, well, that's really you identify as a female, for example, then obviously you would, uh, back then you couldn't change gender on the, certificate you could only change your name mm. now it's a bit more difficult for me because i'm born overseas so i'd have to change it overseas and now you can change your birth certificate if you're born in victoria to female if you want to change um you, your birth sex as well but the main thing was just your name change and then obviously you're identifying as a woman getting it changed at work changing any memberships clubs you belong to just yeah. you know health members you know health fund and all that sort of stuff so quite it's just you know, getting all the documentation and getting your passport changed, and so it's just it's just interesting the whole process. Um, and back then, obviously, my my Medicare and the government put me down as a female. Yet um, on the change of name certificate, it had my gender as male. So I know now I think it's a process you can change that. Um, it's not legally recognised, but you can change that. But I mean, so that was quite interesting. Mm. Now, one of the things that uh, we see and hear about is the importance of not using someone, so the importance of using someone's preferred pronouns, but not using someone's previous name. Yeah. Can you tell me about why that's important for you? Well, I think it's it's like um, dead naming someone their old name, unless they're gender fluid, so which means sometimes they might, and I've met a few one gender fluid trans person and I've met one gender f- fluid female. So maybe in that situation, they might have <coughs> preferred, preferred to use their old name. They may not, um, but just, um, they just feel masculine sometimes and still want to be called by their female name. So I'm not an expert on <coughs> gender fluid people, obviously, yeah, but, <laughs> not, um, but you know, in most circumstances, if someone's 
transgender female, obviously they would prefer to be called by their you know, current name, chosen name, as opposed to their old name and use the right pronouns. So she, her, um, of course, the non-binary name, they, them, mm-hmm. just depending on who they are and how they identify. Did you have issues with that, for example, in the workplace where people <laughs> weren't happy to start calling you Melissa? Most people were pretty... I think it was just the awkward you know, few months, I guess, and most people were pretty good. So, And I, I think it's, you know, it's useful to recognise that for the people outside, most of us want to do the right thing. But it can feel, it can feel awkward to suddenly start, and I obviously have only known you through Facebook as, um, you know, and as Melissa, so that's who you are. But if you've known someone for 40 years with a different name to then start calling them something else it it just it feels odd yeah it does does feel odd yeah Mm. so and i suppose it can just take a bit of time to get used to that can't it oh definitely yeah it can definitely take for people to get used to that i know i told dad before he died mum's sort of it's very hard with mum she's even up in this up to this year she's called me by my old name don't ring her as much, just doesn't fully understand it or accept it, I don't think. So mm. So I was going to ask, how did the rest of your family go with it? Uh, most of the rest of the family are okay with it. Um, there might be a few in my family that I don't know that aren't okay with it, but as far as I know, most people in the family are okay with it. Or... Did you get the, uh, you know, kind of like we see on the television shows of, yeah, we've always known that? Mm. No, not really. I think uh, one person did say to me, oh, I, I always knew there was something odd about you, you know. <laughs> something odd about you. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's the most classical one, I think. <laughs> not a family member, but just someone I know. Um, yeah. Someone that goes to the races as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, far out. Uh, so <laughs> tell me, what, what does transitioning actually mean? Well, I guess you're you're moving from your... Uh, old self that you identify into your real authentic true self so and what that looks like for each trans female is different to the next person because i know some choose not to have any medically transition just want to live as a, as a female per se if they mm-hmm. were previously living as a male and some just might only have breast surgery done and others might go the full way so every trans person is different i think that's hard for society to just sort of accept because we've previously had, you know, it's either one or the other, if that makes sense, fully male, fully female. So I think that's where society, and I I understand someone's point of view disagrees with it. I always respect other people's opinions. So it's sort of hard to change society, the view of what gender is. I guess we'll have the gender debate in future years to come. So you have, um, you share your transition stories and the different processes that you go through um, and you you are going through medical transition I'm on, I'm on HRT so yeah mm-hmm. and so you've started uh, laser hair removal yeah I've started laser hair removal I've started at face recently first visit so probably take quite a few visits I imagine six or seven before I start to see results and this second visit of Brazilian for later on if I decide to have gender reassignment surgery so so you mentioned having the laser hair removal and I think you mentioned um, facial surgery as well yeah I've got quotes for that rhinoplasty and facial surgery so that's about 40 grand all up oh oh Plus, you've got a, your anaesthetist costs on top of that, and hospital costs on top of that as well. That's a lot uh, of money. I know. I took nineteen. It was nineteen thousand four hundred. I think it was out of. Well, that's how much the lump sum payment was gross because it was tax. So I took sixteen thousand odd dollars out of super to pay for my breast surgery. Oh my goodness! So. How much? So you were at forty thousand dollars for facial surgery, and that had, you haven't had yet, those. but that's on the list. Mm. And then, so, how, so the breast surgery was sixteen thousand all up. Did you say? Well, it was around sixteen thousand thereabouts. Sixteen. Fifty-six thousand for that, and then 
I mean, laser hair removal, that's not cheap either. No. Oh, it's not something that you just go, oh, you know what, I might just go down this. Like, that's a lot of commitment. There's a lot of, there's already a lot of barriers to somebody transitioning. You know, you've got all yeah. the all of the societal pressures and and the issues with having to come out and how that may feel. But then if you decide for gender reassignment surgery as well, you're going to be up well above $100,000. Yeah, that's probably not far off the mark. That's a lot of debt. Or if you take, yeah, so you sort of other things, you don't get your teeth fixed as quickly as you would like and paying off a few credit card debts as well. So you're doing that, plus you've got to eat. Yeah, because um, you really do have to eat and pay rent or mortgage every, you know, month, week, fortnight. So you've still got to, you've still got to pay, and you have to work to live. You got to take, yeah. so you know, there's you got to take time off. You said you took five weeks off just to go through the processes Ch- of changing your changing name. Doc, doc, yeah, and then I took six weeks off for breast surgery, or thereabouts. Yeah, I think it was five to six weeks. I'm trying to think now, back. It would have been probably yeah, six, six weeks, That's four 11. to six weeks. Four, probably, yeah, about four to six weeks. Uh, some people may take only four, some may take six, but I think I took about four to six weeks off work. Yeah. How painful was that? It wasn't too bad. I had to lay on my back for six weeks. Mm. Okay, so there's, my... there's part of that that sounds amazing. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Boys and girls. That's it. <laughs> so, anything else? Like, what are the other things that we wouldn't think about? I suppose well, I've already touched on the fact that some don't medically transition; they just live as a female. I guess I've touched on that. Yeah. People, people don't realise the cost involved, and like we've just discussed, like we're talking before we earlier on about um, you know, comments you get on your Facebook pages about your teeth or about you, know, you look like a man, that sort of thing. Um, people don't realise the costs involved to have all that surgery and they don't think that people are going to pay rent, as we discussed, mm. food and dentists aren't cheap. And plus you're doing laser hair removal as well. You're doing all this stuff. If you're you know, fully transitioned, then people just don't stop to think for a minute, you know. So, and generally, no, over you know, 95% of people support you and, Say you're beautiful, so people just don't realise how hurtful they can be of their comments, or they just you just got to learn to ignore the haters. But um, uh, you just got to realise it. I don't think people realise it's a long journey. They see Caitlyn Jenner and uh, think, "Oh well, yeah, must be a pretty quick process." They don't realise it's a very week, long process. Do <laughs> <laughs> it in a week, no worries. Yeah, they don't realise the process involved. So, how long is it taking you so far? Well, it's been seven years. It was probably. Probably five years before I decided to have any surgery, so I took my time, didn't rush, just lived because um, they're big decisions to make. Even yeah. Some trans people may only get breast surgery, but even to have that sort of big decisions. So. Yeah. And is before you can have breast surgery, are you encouraged to have um, counselling or, you know, to talk? Well, you've got to get process? a letter from your psychiatrist or psychologist in terms of getting approved. You know, got to get, the, you see the plastic surgeon, but you obviously... I've got a psychiatrist, I see. See, that Dr. really bothers R. me that you need to have, and I'm not sure because I sit on both sides of the fence. I think it's really great that you've got support because it's you're going to face adversity. So great yeah. for that. But the fact that you need approval from somebody else to say that you can have this, mm. oh, you're not an adult. Can you not make these decisions by yourself? Yeah, exactly. It's just uh, the... Hopefully in the future it'll be a bit more um, straightforward and um, that, that that really if you just have one visit to the psychiatrist and then you're cleared to, and yeah we well, have to have to get approval from the psychiatrist to go on hormones as well to go you know when I started my journey so I had to have three visits to the psychiatrist to get get clearance for that with the GP so and it, um, and I'm not trying to t- take everything to being about money but. It's, um, but it sounds like I'm going to, because <laughs> um, it's not cheap to go to a psychiatrist either. No, it's not. No. Yeah. So yeah, the three yeah, appointments they... for the um, to start going on hormones, and at, at least one to for the breast surgery. That's another thousand dollars there. 
yeah, well, if they, if they, luckily enough, if they bulk bill, you might be lucky there. But um, not many psychiatrists bulk bill over here my, in Western oh, Australia, doc- anyway. <laughs> yeah, my 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 one doctor Asmus he just did because he knows me did a visit, bulk bill me for the super form. He's got to fill out the super form because uh, I've got to get that filled out by a psychiatrist. Oh. Just take money out of super for voice surgery. Oh, that was voice surgery. What? How do they do voice surgery? So there's the, I think it's called the uh, Eason method. It's been developed. They're just going to shave my Adam's apple. Ah. And then um, uh, obviously cut and restitch your vocal cords so you can get uh, more feminine pitch. Plus you have voice resistance as well, of course, for 12 months. So. Okay. Well, that's another at least twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 there, isn't it? <laughs> that's, yeah, well, I suppose seven. Oh, no, that's not too bad. That'll be... That'll be the cheapest. That'll be about six thousand one hundred and fifty hospital fee. Yeah, probably looking about six thousand four hundred. Hmm. It adds up. Yep. And then you said voice, voice lessons or speech therapy for a year. Yep. There's, there's another one hundred and thirty. Well, first visits one hundred and thirty-five. You might get thirty, forty dollars back. Uh, then. Ninety-five dollars a month. I was just thinking, how do you have time for hobbies? Everything's around, exactly. you know, all you of these medical you don't. procedures. Yes, you don't. So, yes, you sort of get to the point where you want to start to speed things up a bit. But obviously, you've got to allow your body have that surgery, allow your body to recover. Obviously, because of COVID, I didn't. It's probably two years since I, or nearly two years. Coming December will be two years since I've had breast surgery. So yeah. I've had voice surgery. It'll be quite a gap but you've got to allow your body to recover from one lot of surgery give it at least three months before you embark on the next lot yeah and you know you have to work as well so yeah well most most people are in a situation where they need to work in between those surgeries in order to pay for the surgery so um i mean you've got the bosses oh you know just buy a computer well yeah um (laughs) yeah all these other costs like (laughs) oh of course Mm, yeah, I guess with all of the working from home. Home stuff, yeah. Yeah. So. We didn't have so much of that over here. I mean, some people work from home, but we didn't experience it in the same way that Victoria did. So well, that's no. a, little bit, a little bit different to us. So how has it gone with, you know, are you, I guess the difference now. So you spoke about when you were younger and not having access to the internet and so not being able to kind of, google and see for supports and things like that is it easier now i suppose on one hand is it easier because you've got google that's accessible for you but in on the other hand schoolyard bullies are now literally living in your computer so um how's what's the pros and cons of where we're living at the moment i guess the the pros of the kids um if they find a right school they'd be pretty supportive of trans kids and uh, trans teenagers, obviously the cons with Facebook is that they'll, as teenagers, they might get uh, face uh, discrimination as they become adults uh, and obviously get bullied online. So I'm a director of Just Social Isles, like an online human rights group, so we're trying to change that. But obviously change is slow and must have updated the social media laws so someone can now get obviously sued if they take it too far and bully someone online. But it still, still doesn't stop people making those comments on Facebook, like the one I just read out to you earlier on before we started recording. So, yeah. So, yeah. I think for our kids, things are different. How do you think it is for you? I think it's in some ways it's harder because you're obviously out there now as like a public figure, and then you're out there living day to day, and then you put yourself online, and then you obviously cop depending which group you're in, you don't know how people are going to react mm-hmm. and you get the odd, per- you know, some people are just can't handle it. You know, I don't, just cause I haven't got a, a feminine enough looking face for people. Then they just say, dude, you're a man sort of comment. And yeah. Um, well, I do have breasts by the way. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> do you? Do you I, know what? I know some men who have got a lovely pair of <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. But you know what I mean. <laughs> and I suppose it's difficult because we are, we're raising our kids. Oh, fingers crossed! We're raising our kids to be more enlightened and more open mm. and those types of things. Mm. 
but people in our generation and older haven't had that. No, so, they haven't. No, and, and we, some are okay with it. And you, yeah, some are, and some aren't. So, and I think often the ones who are okay with it sit quietly in the corner, but the ones yeah. who aren't, they're the ones who are going to. They're going to make some noise. Yeah, all those that don't like you if you're in an event just won't talk to you. Yeah. Mm. Um, and this is going off on a total tangent, but I'm going to come back to where we are at the moment. So what you you do a lot on Facebook. When you transitioned, did you like leave that Facebook page and start a new one with Melissa? I think probably back then I um, probably wasn't using Facebook ah, much and yeah. probably – um, I can't even remember, to be honest, whether I even had one. I probably just started it and had Melissa and started afresh. I was lucky that way I didn't have to change old to new. Yeah. I was just thinking about how does it go with things like Facebook memories when they pop up and they have it as, you know, your photos of you as a man and you know, how do you respond to things like that? Well, I, I probably don't have didn't have a Facebook yeah, profile so as a man. I, I didn't really have one, so I didn't have that issue, I guess, yeah. so. Some trans people, I imagine they'd probably just delete their old account. Mm, so. Yeah. So one of the things that we come up against, both at sort of in my work with the women's health that I do and then also mm. with my husband and I run events, and it's about recognising the importance of, kind of those exceptions and inclusion statements. So saying that, you know, this, this event is open for GLBTQIA plus community. How important is that for you to know when you're walking into an event that you will, that you will be welcome? I think it's very important because you don't want to go to an event where, you, you know, that if there is an issue there that the event organiser is not going to do anything about it if, if they openly state before the event, well, that's LGBTIQA plus friendly, um, then you know that if the event organizer's got an idea of it or at least if you can contact them and if they tell you whatever steps they'll take if someone does do anything inappropriate then you'll you'll feel more welcome that way because you know god forbid if anyone said anything which was controvert too controversial overstep the mark too much then you know action would be taken so and more importantly you want to go to a, an event where you feel welcome where you know uh, people are understanding and will talk to you. So if I'm going to an event, 90% of the time, I can, you know, I look at the event and go, well, I know that I'm going to be welcome and I'm going to be accepted there. Is that your experience? Well, I, the reality is you just go to events. Like I did yesterday, you don't know who's going to talk to you. You don't know if you go up to someone whether they'll accept you or not. And it's really, it's just like lotto, you know, you don't know what lotto numbers you're going to get. Mm. You can take your lotto numbers every week, same set of numbers, but you know, you don't know what's going to come out of the, come out of the machine. So you've just got to take it, take it as it comes and just go and talk to people. If they talk to you, they do, or if they're just polite and don't really engage too much, then you just accept that as well. They just don't really want to main, be nothing to do with the fact you're trans. It just yeah. maybe, don't know. So you just got to take that attitude, I think. Does it make you more wary of going out or going places that you're unfamiliar with? I think it does to a point and getting bullied in the street recently and bullied on the bus sort of reminded me of, you know, why trans people, young some young trans people don't want to come out because it's just, you know, all the discrimination you probably face in the workplace as you get older. You can understand why some people don't want to come out. You spoke about getting bullied on the bus and bullied recently. Tell me about that. What happened? I was just getting verbally abused on the bus because I was sitting there working on my iPad so my legs just a bit wider than I normally do. So maybe it looked more masculine. Oh, you're a man. Uh, look at the way you're sitting. And just, he was drunk. But I mean, and this little old lady thinks it's quiet as a mat. Um, just told him off and swore at him and told him off. It was quite... Oh, funny in a way awesome. looking about it. Yeah. another guy said mind your own business as well so um but yeah but it's a shock I haven't had that for a long time but is it still something that people are concerned so you know going back to the 80s and 90s people who identified as GLBTQIA they 
were more, I guess, more worried or more at risk that they may be verbally assaulted or physically assaulted. Is that still a risk in 2022? I think it's still a a risk in terms of, I suppose it's been well publicised, the issues Danielle Laley has had. And I know like when I got bullied uh, online and then someone ringing me up all the time and speaking with the police about it and they didn't exactly went exactly the best about it and Did somebody ring you get... up? Yeah. In in what way? Uh, it started off being stupid like um oh this is vague, blah blah blah. That sort of silly message and then near the end it, it got a bit um bit bit crazy like yeah, you know, hang yourself, go kill yourself, Melissa. You know, you can't be a supermodel type of thing. So it was like I had to ch- I had to change my number because of that and take my number off my website. So. And Did like it, it just changes the way you think about things and do things after that experience. And uh, yeah, trying to get rid of the bully or trying to stop them. Yeah, they're very hard. And like if you take out a intervention order against them, then it becomes tit for tat and it's just just a minefield, I think. That's insane that somebody would actually look. I don't understand people shouting negative comments in the street or things like that. Mm. But it, it's just not okay. Mm. In the moment, you're surrounded by friends, trying to be the big guy. Then somebody makes a negative yeah. comment. You can almost see how mm. that would happen. But for somebody to actually go out of their way and make repeated phone calls that are escalating in threat levels. What What's the mentality that goes behind that? Like, I don't how, know. Tr- no. Trolls, you can never quite understand a troll. Like, um, yeah. Mm, that's, that's... I think hard. in one night I got one, two, three, four calls one night, and then the following night, one, two, three, six, seven, 20, 21, 22, oh 23 calls in one night. <clears throat> voicemail messages I just let it go to it comes up as no caller ID yeah. so just let it go to voicemail so 23 that's <coughs> that oh, there's no words 23 calls in one night by people who are trolling and just have nothing better to do than to try and cause distress for somebody yeah that's right so first few calls half an hour apart and then I think there's calls after midnight there that have probably just gone to voicemail yeah. And I mean, you've obviously listened to some of them. Do you listen mm. to all of them or can you? I, I, I've listened to all of them. I've kept them for legal reasons, obviously, if they come back again, because I think they did try to contact me through once through Instagram this year and I just blocked them. But Yeah. And that's difficult because you do have a business that is going out and speaking and raising awareness. Mm. So to have to remove your phone number, that's impacting your business as well yeah and obviously you're only doing it on the, on the side of your normal day job until yeah. you can build that up it, it's it's difficult i guess you just have to have your email address there and, and look it's 2022 people don't want to use the phone anyway these days so no they don't <laughs> maybe it's not that bad and, uh, and i guess people can contact me through linkedin or through yeah. one of the speakers bureaus i'm signed up with so it's just is what it is yeah um so now i guess more flippant type questions. How do you go with buying shoes? I'm not too bad, actually. You can see these pride boots. They are very cool. Yeah, I got them from Williams. They're only $36. And then I told them they were discontinuing them. So I went to Broadie, um, Broad Meadows, and got another pair. So I got two pairs because they were discontinuing them. So yeah. I thought, oh, they're good for speaking at an event during Pride Month. And- Keep one pair for wearing and one pair for speaking. For speaking, so. yeah. Um, and for people who are listening, they're sort of knee-high pride-striped boots and they're <laughs> fabulous. Um, so it hasn't been – what size feet do you have? Ten. So it can be ten, occasionally nine and a half, depending on where they're made. But generally, okay, I did wear my, – my cheap block heels from Novo broke yesterday because I was dancing. I must have just – Caught them uh, on the wrong angle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the right <laughs> angle. It broke. Luckily, I always carry a pair of flats with me to the races. So, yeah, I wore my flats home. Yeah. Yeah, so. 
does oh well that's it's good that it's not too hard. I was just sort of going, Oh, you know, if you if you've got big feet, that's gonna be tricky mm. to get so <laughs> to get shoes. Um you don't want to be going well maybe. Well, yeah, it can be, be for some trans women, yeah, yeah, that's right, it can be, yeah. So oversized ten, eleven. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And have you how do you go with stilettos? Yeah, I'm not too bad in stilettos because obviously used to go out to clubs, I think one club, one bar where they had drag shows. I used to go there because it was safe. Yeah, could dress there. I dressed as a girl there, and it was back early two thousands. It's it's a restaurant now. But it was a safe environment, so I used to wear my heels when I went out there. So if I went out clubbing to the Peel or somewhere, I could sort of wear my heels, get used to it. Yeah, there are. I- there aren't many women who are over 40 who are still rocking stilettos. So, like, it's, it's one of the, well, look, from an outsider looking in, and I'm aware of all of the issues, well, not all of the issues, but I'm aware that there's a lot of issues that make this hard. But one of the fabulous things is you get to go and, like, what, like, you don't have to stick with sensible clothes and that kind of thing. You can go out and go absolutely wild. Yeah, or well, if you wanted to, like, always tries to dress nicely, so which sort of people find a bit. Some people, young people who think that's odd, they just wear whatever, but, yeah, you've probably seen some of my outfits online and dresses yeah. I wear, so, yeah, probably got an understanding of how I dress, but, yeah, today I can just wear jeans, boots, and top. Yeah. But what what is it like as somebody who didn't grow up? Ah, oh, cool. Um, somebody who didn't grow up with, you know, the set idea of what you needed to wear, getting to go and rediscover that as an adult or discover that as an adult? I guess I was lucky. I worked as a uh, teenager and adult in a fashion shop um, part-time, so it gave me a sense of fashion and understanding about, even though that was a, as a male, I guess you can then use that experience when you start dressing as a female and... You can sort of use, draw on that experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I can imagine it can be quite tricky for people who don't have that experience. So, um, or, you know. So yeah, I, I guess have probably naturally had a good good taste as well and figured out my colours. And if I wore a bright green, I'm all right. But if I wear a pale, very pale green or pale yellow, I'd look sick. sick. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There's somebody who... I know over here who's in the process of transitioning uh, but has gone from wearing kind of death metal T-shirt, everything black and ripped jeans and, you know, that kind of thing to now not having a clue how to start with dresses and or Mm. what colours suit them because they've only ever worn black and now wants to explore that but doesn't know how and doesn't know... Yeah. Where to where to go for support with that, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah. And some shopkeepers are less than supportive. Some don't have the skills. <laughs> some don't yeah, want to share yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, there's people like me out there and you can support them. But, yeah, I, I get it can be quite challenging navigating yeah. your way through that stuff. Yeah. I had another question that I wanted to ask and then I've got distracted by thinking about going shopping. <laughs> <laughs> as you've gone through the process what are things that have been what are things that people have said whether that's out of curiosity or um just people oversharing that you have gone you know what well, that was really not helpful or that made you kind of go is this the right choice for me to actually be doing this publicly or should I still be only doing this as part-time like what has been really unhelpful for you to hear or experience I guess when people make, you can hear comments in the background or like I said at the races, mm. um, people staring at you when you're out for dinner with a friend. Um, yeah, just people make you feel uncomfortable and all that passive aggressive behaviour. Do you ever respond to that? You know, so you, I think you say Occasionally I have, but yeah. I've learned, generally not to. But in the past I have and got frustrated and angry, but I've learned not to now. It's just not, not worth it. It's just... It's gets different. gets a get gets a bit exhausting. Yeah, and that's it. You know, I hear people say, "Well, we've got a really great opportunity to be able to educate people," but my goodness, educating everyone is just exhausting. Yeah, exactly. And it's like anyone that's trans and 
does any sort of speaking. You know, a lot of us say, you know, feel like broken records sometimes. <laughs> How many times have I had this conversation? But here we go again. <laughs> and so what, flip side of that, what have you experienced that has been really supportive and really helpful? I guess getting the gender identity policy introduced at Victoria Racing Club was really good. And I guess it felt really welcome at the Melbourne Racing Club yesterday. So that was good from the Chairman's Club. So I guess when you go into those environments where you can just be yourself and you know, have a dance, even though you're not with anyone, don't have a partner, but just have fun near the end of the day. So it's just a good day out and safe environment and everyone respects each other. So it's good to have go to places like that and be yourself. So or find a bar or restaurant you can go to where you feel welcome or safe as opposed to others, you know, you see the the bar person looking at you with a smirk on their face or whatever, for whatever reason. So, yeah, it's just finding the places to go, I guess, and yeah. sussing them out. I mean, yeah. And that's hard for people, I guess, to go even go there in the first place and hard for people to come out sometimes yeah. if they're trans. Yeah, and that's sort of, you know, we still talk about the importance of safe spaces, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the yeah. places where you feel like you can go and know that, well, I mean, it is what it says on the tag, somewhere where you can go and know that you're going to be safe, know that you're going to be welcomed, yeah. know that you're going to be supported. Yeah, exactly. So if you were, if you were, well, you do go and speak with people, but if you had a friend who had a child who was transitioning, what would you say to them in a way that they could support their child? I guess just uh, let them explore it. Um, we, we all know some kids, they, they might be trans, but they just might be going through a phase where they're just exploring themselves. So they may not be trans. So just make sure to get the appropriate support through psychologists or psychiatrists. Uh, as I mentioned before, like this Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, which treats trans kids. So it just, um, it just might be a stage they're going through. Um, they could be gay or you just don't know. They're young, just let them explore that. Um, the kid will tell you anyway. So, and then just make sure you've got the right you know, professional support. Just don't try and do it on your own. And you now there's support groups of trans kids as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've just, look, there's been a massive issue over here with an organisation that was, and I'm just going to say again, it's 2022. And there was an organisation that was still offering conversion therapy. So, um, you know, I'm kind of thinking that perhaps one of the things that we can could do is not go to places like that. Yeah, well, it's been banned in Victoria. Well, I thought it had been banned in here in Western Australia as well, but apparently they still pop up from time to time. Mm. So, um, And if, you know, for someone like me or someone like, you know, any of us really, if we have somebody who we work with who is coming out, transitioning, what can we do to be supportive? Just don't ask impersonal questions, just uh, support them, just treat them as a person. Like if they're a good employee, good person, they're not going to change because they're transitioning. Just say, oh, how's it going? And if they want to share something with you, they will. If they don't, they don't. But don't ask prying questions. Yeah. yeah you, can, you can say, oh, how's it going? Yeah, good thanks. Yeah, don't ask, oh. <laughs> So how was your breast surgery, love? You know, you don't, you know, you don't ask those sort of questions. So. It's so weird because I totally would. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, you wouldn't think you go. Yeah, that's it. Maybe if I worked on a factory floor, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> probably shouldn't, yeah. no. Yeah. Um, and if you're talking to somebody who they're the person who is transitioning, what advice would you have for them? Take it slowly. Don't rush the process. Make sure you've got plenty of support. Um, if you haven't got a lot of support, your friends and families, there's always psychologists, counsellors out there that can support you, help you through, navigate your way through the journey. And um, I know for teenagers here, there's minus 18, there's transgender Victoria as well. Mm-hmm. And Globe, there's more, I guess, a business networking group for the LGBTIQ plus, A plus community. But obviously, if, you, if you're an adult, you could probably go to that group and you probably through that find support as well. So there is support out there. You just got to reach out and you know, switch board as well for people to ring up. 
And um, here in so Western Australia, we've got um, WAC, which is it, well, it used to be called the West Australian AIDS Council. Mm. So uh, now it just goes by the acronym of WAC, mm. and that has support services available as well. And I'll be popping yeah, those so. in the show notes. Now, the question that I was going to ask before, how has it been? Have you found dating has been different since you have gone through transitioning? Yeah, it has been dating. I mean, like I haven't really been on many dates. A lot of the sites I find are terrible. Yeah, just feel like they should just rename it to a sex line, a lot of them, you know. <laughs> I, it's hard. I've been I've been married for a very, very long time and I sort of said that if I end up unmarried, then I'm staying single for life. Like I don't know how on <laughs> earth you navigate websites and like what happened to just meeting people, but I know that times oh, yeah. have changed, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> so and I, is it do you I mean I know that you said that you haven't been on many dates do you think it will be easier because you're not having to like worry about part of your identity being hidden or is it harder because you now identify as a trans woman in some ways it's 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 harder hiding it's harder hiding it I guess but mm. in some ways it's easier because People will say, "Oh, he's a bit odd," but unfortunately, when once you're out there, you're out there as a trans woman, like um, female to male. Obviously, if you have all the surgery, then in some ways it might be a little bit easier. It's still mm. not, not saying it's easy, but you know, obviously you can't hide your boobs. So if you have breast surgery or going around dressing as a female, even if you don't have any surgery, so it's hard because you're you know, on the train, on the bus, you're just going about your business, doing your shopping and. You don't know what reaction you're going to get from people, or yeah, and there and it depends where you live, what part of town you live in, I guess, or where you live as well. How you, how people are going to react, and and then so you've spoken a few times about the um, gender reassignment surgery. What are the pros and cons of that? Do you think? Well, I guess uh, you've got to be really sure about it. So yeah. It, not like you can go back so um and i suppose that's the thing with um with breast surgery you can always have them removed but you can't have a right, penis yeah. sewn back on no yeah so you gotta be really sure sorry i cut you off there Karen. you gotta be really sure so i know uh obviously going female to male they can create a penis but obviously yeah you, do, you don't want to be making rushing those decisions and um you know you've got to be sure and you've got to think about later on in life will you still be happy in 10 years time doing that or if not then you've got to just be comfortable in yourself and say well if someone comes along we're just going to accept you the way you are so mm. and I suppose that's that's similar to what I was asking around the dating thing that it is about trying to find somebody who loves you for who you are yeah, that's it. I mean, if you're doing all this other stuff like I'm doing, you don't really have much, a lot of time to no. be on dating apps. So. Well, that's it. I was joking, work, saying, how working. do you have time for a hobby? How on earth would you have time for a partner? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the transitioning feels like a full-time job, and on top of that, you're working and trying to run a side business. Yeah. There's no time for anything else, is there? No. <laughs> yeah. Throughout the process, what has been something that has stood out for you that has gone that has made you feel like I'm doing the right thing. This is, this is who I am. This is who I'm supposed to be. This is, this is me. I guess, I guess just those days you feel really happy. You have your down days as well, but those days where, you know, you've sort of been nominated as a finalist for an award or getting an Australia day award, you know, you're sort of making a difference in some way. You know, being a finalist for a gender center of the year and the women's gender leadership awards, for example, yeah. Previously, so just, you know, you're sort of uh, making a bit of an impact and um, paving the way, being a trailblazer, making it easier for future generations, I guess. That's exhausting at times, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I've, I've found I've done. Can someone just doing be there first and I'll just follow your path? Why do I have to beat my own? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you. Sp- so in the, I think the Today's Joy Facebook page that I spoke about where I first saw you making posts, it is around finding joy every day. And yeah, sometimes that can be hard and then you sort of can be a bit moody during the day as well. So yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Hormone 
replacement therapy and just or just something triggers something and emotionally or subconsciously so you you can sort of you know your moods do swing a bit so you just monitor that as well yeah uh so on that page i saw you post about going for the first facial hair um, removal session that was not good language <laughs> um laser surgery laser hair removal is what i'm trying to say sorry and that you know took you that one step closer to the end goal that you're looking for do you take time to take stock and go look how far i've come yeah not I'll, probably don't do that often enough i should probably do that make a point of doing that sometime or once a month or something and I look back where I was and where I am now, I've come a long way. Yeah, still got a way to go, I guess. Yeah. So if you take a minute now and think you started this process seven years ago, I think you said. Mm, yeah. And where you are now, how different is your life now? I guess, well, I know from people at work said, oh, before you're shy, still in the lift, never look me in the eye. Now you're confident, look me in the eye. So confidence level have gone up and you've, you know, tried things I've never thought of stand up in front of a group of people and speak so you know first few times you always struggle a bit through that reading off a paper and you know, not doing it from memory so so you see how you've improved there with your speaking and just being more confident and a bit more relaxed in yourself and more confident to stand up for yourself and be yourself. Do you feel like you're less shy now? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm less shy, and you don't even don't even realise you are until you know you don't even think about it. I mean, you, but if you take stock, you know, when I was young, I was shy, and even as an adult, I was still quite shy, and only ever really happy when I went out dressed, you know, part time. So yeah, so it sounds like you've kind of gone. I wasn't being authentically me, so I was almost yeah. hiding away, and this is this is my authentic self, so I'm okay being seen yeah. now. Yeah, that's right. So you don't really have to go out Saturday night anymore because you it's just you can do go do that anytime. So you went out yesterday, the first time in ages. You get past the you know, bullying, which sort of makes you feel a bit fearful of going out, but, you know, you've got to get past that eventually. So I went out yesterday and, you know, come home. Um, but you come home at night, obviously, or yeah. early evening, so... Before we wrap up, are there any final thoughts or anything else that you would like to share or, yeah, anything anything you want to end with? Uh, I guess just um, for people to be more empathetic what you know, trans go through and recognise it's probably it's going to be easier um, if you do it when you're younger or even when you do it younger, it's not easy. It's, it's just everyone's different in terms of transitioning, what they will do and... Uh, people to be more understanding that you can't just um, <laughs> rock up fully looking fully feminine one day uh, the previous day you were uh, fully masculine if, if I can put it that way so mm. um, it's a yeah. process well the is it's a process yeah. yeah yeah and I think one of the things you said before was around um, supporting kids and that it may just be a phase and there is a chance that it may be a phase but let's love them through that phase because they'll remember the love regardless. And yeah, that's right. And then, then you, you uh, just get appropriate care, you know, medical care as soon as you can. So yeah. for the child, then you can work through all that stuff. I think there's, I just want to put in there as well, um, there's also a chance that it won't be a phase and that's okay. That's too. right. Yeah. That's okay too. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's it. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And I know that this was a short notice interview and sort of said, hey, would you be interested in doing it? How's the day after tomorrow? <laughs> so I, re I really appreciate your availability and um, chatting to me so no, early on fine. a Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so what I'll do, I'll list the different places that people can find you. So and that was one of the things that we that you mentioned um can you just tell me again the name of your facebook group that's got supermodel in it Alyssa griffith's transgender supermodel advice page so and that's probably where some of those like the comments that you spoke about about the yeah, that, and those that, things yeah that and the real the real 
that and the real Melissa Griffiths page, I suppose. Yeah. Like my normal Melissa Griffiths page, I don't really cop so much trolling. But yeah, those two I probably would because I think they could have worldwide reach or could just you know, go out anywhere. So especially if you promote a post. So. Yeah. So I will include those in the show notes as well and um, providing you're happy with that, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully people who who hear this can have a better understanding around some of the processes. I'm going to be going to be honest. I didn't realize the extent of the surgical interventions that you would have to be looking at. So it never occurred to me that you would have facial surgery. I suppose I'd thought about the laser hair surgery, but I hadn't thought about vocal, you know, having your vocal cords having to be surgically adapted or Adam's apple shape. You don't have to do that, but um, no. like if you want to go down the full path of having all of that stuff, you can You can choose to do it. You can choose uh, not to. Yeah, look, I so, guess I had, the, I had the idea that people could choose to have some surgical interventions or choose to have no surgical interventions and but still live as a woman. Um, yeah, that's right, yeah. But I... When I thought about surgical interventions, I thought about, basically I thought about having a boob job and gender reassignment surgery. I hadn't, it hadn't occurred to me the extent of those surgical interventions. So that was really Hmm. interesting for me to hear about and to consider. And I also hadn't considered the financial barriers. So I'd considered the social barriers and, um, and the, you know, the, bullying and the potential dangers and the issues with acceptance and inclusion but hadn't thought about how much time that meant having off work and the actual costs for it mm. you know when people are going oh it's just a phase well that if that is just a phase or just something that this person's doing for attention mm. they're mighty committed to just getting some attention aren't they mm. <laughs> yeah you've got to be pretty yeah so it's yeah so just having that you know, all the different surgeries and stuff, yeah. And obviously, as I said, you can't just do one after the other in a week sort of yeah. thing, you know. That's it. It's a heck of a process. And, you know, off air you also spoke about um, looking at t- getting teeth, dental work and Invisalign and you know, those types of things as well that, I mean, the things that people look at regardless of gender but still – you know, how that impacts you looking more feminine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It does. Yeah. And yeah, it does impact on your day, how you feel about yourself and your day to day life. So it's a lot of, lot of work on your inner self as well. Yeah. 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 That's it. Inner self and outer self. So, um, so thank you very much for opening my eyes to some of these issues. And hopefully people listening, it will have given them a broader understanding of that as well. So I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. No, that's all right. And then obviously having voice lessons as well as another thing. So Yeah. It just the list just goes on, doesn't it? It, it does, yeah. So I wonder if there's ever a point where you go, That's it. I'm done. I'm happy. Or does it go to the next thing and then go, Oh well, I could just tweak this or do that but I suppose you're partway through the journey so maybe we'll touch base in a couple of years yeah. and see how you're going <laughs> going yeah. yeah it just depends on what each, everyone wants so yeah and then obviously finding the right speech pathologist as well in terms of voice feminization you just go along with the, uh, Dr. Paddle's recommendation and then if they don't quite work out then you might find someone else find who will somebody else. help you speak like a female so it's just yeah navigating that as well you know yeah that's it there's lots of lots of different paths to look at and I suppose sometimes it must get overwhelming thinking about all of the different things to think about yeah exactly and you just go I've just got to take it one day at a time that's it one step at a time yeah and one surgery at a time if you can have surgery yeah yeah. yeah, so obviously you can have surgery because you want to alter your pitch. So, oh, lots of things to think about. But um, so I will wrap up for today, and just wanted to, yeah, really appreciate your sharing so openly with us, and appreciate everything that you have brought to today's episode. 
That's all right. Thank you for having me, Emma. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.